Welcome into the Instant Reacts. This is actually a live podcast tonight. I'm joined by Kyle Campmeyer, Mitch Stormer, and guys, we are live in the Twitterverse. We are live on Twitter via Twitter Spaces. So for the first time ever, the Instant Reacts podcast is going live. We're, we're going for real. So here we go. No edits, and this time it's for real. We can't edit because we're live on Twitter. So, Yeah, uh, exciting night, right? Um, had some, and now this is going to be up to interpretation. I was talking to Kyle offline about as to what constitutes a conference champion. But at least uh, we crowned, I think, three maybe four conference champions or co-champions tonight um, in Moline, which we'll talk about. Uh, Rock Ridge already had the track rock locked up, but now it's more official than it was. Same thing with Princeton. Um, in the Lincoln Trail, it's really interesting because Anwan Weathersfield and Merco will play next week. And if, if the tiebreaker is a thing, that's a huge, that's a huge game for the Lincoln trail. We'll decide at least co-champions If AW wins, they'd be the outright. And then Lena um, wins at least a share tonight. So um, crowning champions here in week eight. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Kyle, where let's, where were you at tonight? I was at uh, our eight man game of the week, which was Milledgeville and River Ridge. And uh, well, you know, that, Despite all the things that Milledgeville's going through, um, you know, they really came out and played and they put up a, a number on uh, River Ridge in a hurry. And uh, it was great to see uh, Bryce Audie back on, on the field, too. This was the first night he's been in action. You know, he's been out with that surgery all season long and uh, wasn't sure if he'd return to action, but he was there tonight and made some big impact plays already in his first game back. So it was great to see that, too. So he's back, Milledgeville playing really well in this one. And obviously, Kyle, you kind of referenced it, you know, with, uh, you know, under some tough circumstances, being what they've been through in the last week with the, you know, the, the car accident in, you know, several couple student athletes in pretty serious condition. But to both of you, I mean, I'm sure you saw it and a lot of people listening here saw it as well. A lot of, you know, outreach from a lot, obviously teams in the NUIC, but teams from around the area. I just love seeing like all of the fundraisers at so many different schools. Kyle, how many do you count in total? Like, but I saw four or five, I think. Well, yeah, for all the events, I, there, there was at least six or seven different events, but it was pretty much every school within the NUIC was taking action to help uh, lift funding for the uh, Milledgeville um, families that were affected by the accident. So it was, it was definitely awesome to see. I know it was an overwhelming amount of support for those family members that have been affected. I mean, um, even even when I was doing my uh, little podcast the other day, it, it kind of hit me too, uh, just talking about it. You know, so it's been a it's been an emotional week for a lot of people. Uh, but you know, it's it's awesome to see small towns like our communities come together for a common cause. Yeah, for sure. Certainly. Well, just kind of hitting the reset here real quick. We do have some people joining us live on the instant reacts on Twitter. Uh, this, you know, has a little bit of a different uh, sound to it, I suppose, than our normal instant reacts. But Mitch Stormer's here. Kyle Campmeyer's here. We're breaking down all of the action from week eight. And 
Mitch, you mentioned it in the lead here. We had some conference champions crowned. Yeah. And last year, Lena Winslow was a state champion, but they were not a conference champion. They took care of business tonight, and they have the crown in hand, correct? They are now your NUIC champs? Well, this is where it comes to interpretation, where Kyle and I were, were talking about, because in, in the IHSA's mind, just, just strictly the IHSA, they obviously they have to, to pick a conference champion as the representative um, for a playoff spot. The way they determine that is by, you're, you're, at least the tiebreaker is determined by the head-to-head. So whether you interpret that as that's how you want to uh, label yourself for the regular season crown, I guess that's up to each team's interpretation because um, the opposite of that is that you both have the same record. No matter what happened head-to-head, we're co-champions. So I personally wouldn't interpret, interpret it that way. I think if you had two teams that were, say, seven and one or six and one at the end of the year, the head to head um, champ or head to head winner of that game would still be the champion. So yep. that's how the IHSA sees it for playoff purposes. Apparently, at least, at least, at least when talking to Kyle, that may not be how it is altogether. So yeah, Lena gets at least quotes, at least uh, an NUIC share tonight. I would say that they are outright. I think they're going to win it outright anyway but um, unofficially, officially, at least a, a share. I think, I think when, it, when it comes to the NUIC, whatever Kyle says goes. So he says uh, yeah, that's chance. I, I, right. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely, on, on all matters playoffs, I, I default to Kyle. It's just my interpretation of it. And again, if it was me uh, as a player, right, if, if I was in the shoes of a player and I was in a situation, I would say, no, I beat you or we beat you head to head. We're the champions. And so that's, then it's just, you know, schematics, but. Yeah. In terms of the IHSA, they, they go by that same, same, same mentality. All right. Well, the part around that, though, is because, you know, you, you may have won head-to-head, but you lost to somebody that that other team beat. Right. So that's, that's where the co-conference titles come into play. And we've, we've seen it happen quite a few years there uh, in the mid to late 2000s with Lena Winslow, Dakota, mm-hmm. uh, Stephanie. They were all going back and forth with each other there. Well, let's, uh, Mitch, do you have the scores in front of you? Can we run down some scores here? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm, there's, there's a couple games still in place, so I'm on my phone right now. Uh, okay. One that just went final here, Greg, um, that we talked about as a must-win situation. Uh, Geneseo gets the 36-22 to win over Rock Island. Yes. Um, that means that the Leafs are now five wins, playoff eligible for the first time since 2017. So um, obviously not the biggest game in the Western Big Six tonight, um, but that, that's a huge win for them. Great win for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, so in the fourth quarter, Geneseo had a stop on defense. Rock Island was within, I think, about five yards of the end zone. Rock Island or Geneseo comes up with a defensive stop on fourth down. They march all the way back down the field, led by A.J. Weller. Jaden Weinzerl, I believe, finally punched it in. But talk about, I mean, really earning this victory and just a huge win for Geneseo. They get the stop on defense. They march downfield and win it on offense. That's a total team effort and credit to the Maple Leafs. You know, a team that year in and year out was in the playoffs for so many years. And it's it looks like, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're back now with five wins. They should be a playoff team again. Yeah. And not just that big stop there, but they outscored 
uh, Rock Island 29 to eight in the second half. So um, a really, really good game here for the Maple Leafs. Um, again, that one just went final. So it looks like they're, they're back in the playoffs. Um, great win there. Elsewhere, Galesburg UT is still going on. Galesburg was hanging on to a 42-31 lead last I checked. Um, Quincy and Allman play tomorrow. The big one in the Western Big Six, Greg uh, and Kyle Moline, 33-21. Again, this is where (laughs) interpretation, uh, but we'll say for for the sake of the show, they earn at least a share of the Western Big Six title. We knew that this was going to be the game of the year. Um, We thought of it really since last season. I I mean, going into this year, even the beginning of this year, end of last year, whatever it may be, uh, came to fruition. This was this was a, a heavyweight bout. Um, Moline's defense really shined in this one. Sterling didn't have 100 yards of offense until midway through the third. So um, there's some dispute, though, Greg. And you were watching this game. I, I know you were busy tonight. I don't know if you saw this, but um, the, the play of the game, a name that we talked about last week that kind of came onto the scene from the Maroons, Aubrey Three. Yep. He's on a rush. Um, and we've seen this type of play before. Kind of gets rolled up lands on top of the defender, rolls off of him, and keeps going. Uh, they don't call him down. He goes 35 yards inside the 20. That would, that would eventually lead to a Moline score. A lot of dispute on Twitter, and I, I understand that. It's going to be from Sterling fans. I, I totally get it. I didn't see the play, so I, I can't say one way or another. I can only you know go by what was actually called. A lot of dispute if he was down or not. Um, I, I will be uh, anxious to see that play. Hard to say from the angle of the film if we'll be able to tell or not, but there is some dispute on whether he was down or not. It was still a two-possession win, um, so not going to you know speculate or take anything away from the Maroons here. So um, a, a great win, and, and again, at least a share of the Western Big Six crown here. Uh, Mitch, you're going to be disappointed when I say that that was during bedtime. So I, yeah. I, was, I was putting kids to bed. I did not see it. I came yeah. back to the broadcast, and I heard them ref. I must have just missed it because I oh, heard those, them referencing. Those guys had to have been fired up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard them referencing it after the touchdown, which with w- the the touchdown that was after that play. So it kind of led yeah. to that touchdown. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know. I, I like I said I didn't see the play, but man, in those situations in high school football where you have no video replay, I don't know. I'm not a trained IHSA official. But if it's close, and if, I mean, if the way a body moves, if it's close, you almost have to call them down, right? And I default to you guys and what your thought is. I don't know. Like, yeah, again, without seeing the play, it's hard, it's hard to speculate whether he landed on his back or landed on his side or, or whatever it was. So, yeah, in a bang-bang play like that in high school, you're going to have these situations. Um, again, was, wasn't a touchdown certainly was a momentum yeah. uh, maintaining play, but um, yeah, again, we can only go by what the refs, the refs have a hard enough job as it is. So I'm not going to be one to, to fight with them. And I, certainly when I haven't seen the play. So, um, but yeah, great win for Moline. Also the, the Galesburg game did go final. Galesburg gets their second win of the year. 42-31 was the final over UT. Yeah. Nice win there for Galesburg. And yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, dog on officials. That's, I, I think we're, we've, it's been covered enough that, you know, official shortage is a serious problem. I'm not going to be one to, you know, berate them 
for a potential missed call. And at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know if this makes a difference. I was really impressed tonight with Moline up front on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball. They really controlled this football game in the trenches. And I think that was something that impressed me for Moline tonight. And man, in the first two drives of the game, Mitch, the first drive of the game, they drove down kind of slow, methodical, punched it in, a you know, multiple play drive. Their second possession, it was, I think, three plays, and it ended on a big touchdown pass. So, I mean, it just, you know, Moline can hurt you in multiple ways. They have big play potential, mm-hmm. or they can go to the ground, and they can kind of grind on you, and they can kind of wear you out. So, I, you know, impressive win for Moline. And I will say on the flip side, Sterling was down early in this one, 14 nothing, and man, they did not go away. They did not quit, and it's it's kind of a calling card of a John Schlemmer team, of this Sterling yeah. team in recent years. They're not going to go away. They're going to keep fighting, and they're going to keep themselves in the game. And in this one, you are potentially one turnover away, you know, one bobbled ball that gets fumbled, Sterling picks it up away from this being a different game in that second half. It didn't happen, and Moline comes away with the win. They earned it. Yeah, no question. Um, I think Riley Fuller finished with 150 yards and three scores. So we, we talked a lot on on Tuesday or on Monday night, I'm sorry, on the episode that we thought that this game might come down to a situation of who has better ball control or it, it didn't happen in this one in terms of who had the ball last, but, it, you know, pretty close to pretty close to that. Yeah. Um, but even on the first drive of the game, I think Moline um, held for seven minutes of the first uh, of the first drive of the game. So I'm watching the, uh, the highlights here uh, on, on the score. Um, and that's really what it came down to. We talked up, we talked of a big game on Sterling's rush game for good reason, but um, Moline as they have all year uh, were the ones that shined in that department tonight. And uh, again, great win for them, at least a share of the crown and uh, good for them. Yeah. Well, since we have uh, since we have Kyle Campmeyer here, should we, should we skip <laughs> let's, down yeah. to let's, let's involve Kyle a little bit. Let's move down to the yeah. NUIC. <laughs> Should we oh, skip I'm... down to the NUIC and get into it here? Sure. I'm trying. I am trying to see if they show this play. Yeah. But I don't want to waste what? a bunch of time either, but they probably have all the game, but go, go. Let's, let's continue. And uh, I'll, I'll report back. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, let's go through some scores here. Like we referenced, Lena Winslow 56 to six, 52 to six over Stockton. So that puts them in the driver's seat, I would say, for the uh, NUIC crown. Dakota, big win 66 to nothing over West Carroll. The Indians back in the playoffs for the first time since 2018. So, Kyle, let's start there before, and, and Dupec also gets the win 35 to six. But I want to go back to Dakota real quick here. Kyle, what did you think going into this year with Dan Sheets stepping in as head coach? Because you got a new look at head coach. It felt like there was a little positive momentum in the program. But just because you have positive momentum never really means, you know, the wins are going to start coming. What did you see? What is this surprise you or what did you expect? Um, well, honestly, my expectation was for Dakota to go five and four on the year. That was my original projection. And by looking at their game next week with Fulton, you know, projecting that Fulton will take care of business as the 
as paper says that they should, right? Yep. Um, they'll finish five and four. Um, obviously, um, one of the things that, you know, really stuck out is that Dakota's got a lot of good athletes at their skill positions. That This team has a lot of senior leadership. So, you know, when you, when you have good skill players, you have senior leadership and they know it's their last time to go around and get it done. Um, they, they tend to care a little bit more about outcomes and uh, what they do as far as playing the game. Um, obviously, they've had a couple games get away from them this year, uh, such as EPC uh, is one of them. Um, but, you know, the, the, the line play was the biggest question mark I had for them. It's still even though we're in week eight already and getting ready to go into our final week, it's still my biggest question mark with them, but they've, they've definitely seen some improvement in their line play. I was in Dakota last week for that game against Galena. And that was one of the things that stood out to me was their ability to uh, beat Galena up front. And really that was the uh, momentum changer of that game was just their ability to handle the line of scrimmage. Um, Something that we haven't seen Dakota do for quite a while. But uh, for them to be at five and four, it's it's awesome. Um, for Sheets to get uh, Dakota back into the playoffs is a good step in the right direction. Um, does it necessarily say that Dakota's back? No. Um, in my opinion, they still have a little uh, ways to go. Uh, they, they, they need to put together some consecutive playoff appearances together before you can really say that they're back. But, uh, you know, it, it is a good positive boost to what they got going on. And, um, having sheets there and then bringing in Eric Didish as, as a defensive coordinator who is a former player at NIU uh, and, and uh, lives in the area as well. Um, that's that's huge. Um, obviously, these guys are buying into what these guys are putting down. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I go back to you said, you know, Dakota stumbled against EPC, but that makes that win over Forreston even that much bigger, right? I mean, that was such an electric win for that program. And you could tell that that game, that outcome, that really meant something. You know, that's the first time they'd beaten Forreston in several years. It had been a while. So what was it? 2015 was the last time they beat Forreston. Yeah. So that, I mean, that feels like one of those, like, you know, program type of changing wins. So yeah, congrats to Dakota, and best of luck to them next week. See what they can do. Tough matchup against Fulton. Um, Fulton plays tomorrow at or um, hosting uh, EPC. You have also the other game, the non-conference game, Forreston at Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. What do you think about this one, Kyle? In your in your research, what you know about GCMS and what you know for following Forreston this year. What do you think about that one tomorrow? Well, these two teams played each other last year it was 36 to 7 um in favor of Forreston and uh, you know granted you know GCMS was a little injured at by the time they got to week eight Aiden Laffrey who now plays at Illinois uh was their star running back last year um he was hobbled by an injury uh, a lot of the season and was very limited especially in that game against uh Forreston um taking a look at a lot of things you know the heart of Illinois conference, obviously over the past five, six, seven years has definitely been one of those top conferences. Um, you know, you go back to 2013, they have four state titles and a runner up finish since 2013 coming out of that conference. 
and those four titles are all two A titles. So it's not like they're. I mean, they they put together some good teams. Obviously, GCMS has two of those four titles, uh, winning in twenty seventeen and eighteen. Um, so when you think about GCMS, you think about success. And uh, you, but unfortunately, you know, there was a lot of talk among GCMS faithful that you know this year would be um, a better. Uh, growth year from the year before and while they may still but while they may have grown a little bit I mean this game is a must-win game for them because they're sitting at three and four Um, they definitely will not make the playoffs at a four and five record even though we do uh, intend on seeing some four and five teams being able to crack the playoff field but they're going to come in the higher classes so um, it's it's one of those things where uh, you know Looking at the games, you know, Forston's kind of been like a Jekyll and Hyde this year. And usually that's not what we get out of them. They're usually a very disciplined team and you can count on that. But, you know, they had that loss to or they had that close game with EPC that they're able to win, followed by that loss to Dakota, which was totally unexpected. And then, you know, they then they sit here and they route some teams that you're like, well, maybe they're going to be games and they end up being routes in favor of Forrest. And then you're like, okay, what team do we have here? And, uh, you know, unfortunately it's, that's the way the season's gone for Forrest. But, you know, they definitely have to uh, put that behind them now because you got to go into Gibson city tomorrow and you got to win that game, which, you know, looking at everything based off of research, you know, Forreston should be favored by three touchdowns in that game. And, so I expect them to take care of business relatively easily, but you never want to be able to overlook an opponent either. You can't. Yeah. Okay. Three touchdown favorite tomorrow. Interesting. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into, uh, let's get into eight man here. We talked about Milledgeville getting the big win 66, 14 over river Ridge. We had Amboy winning 42 to 14 over Aquin South Beloit gets the win 58 to 22. Peoria Heights and Ashton Franklin Center canceled due to a light pole sparking and uh, not being usable. So for player safety's sake, they didn't go ahead with that one. So we'll see if that one's going to be made up or not. But the game we really need to discuss, Polo. Holy Marcos. (laughs) What? I couldn't even, Mitch, you couldn't even believe what you were tweeting out. I know. I, I saw that. I thought I was waiting for Kyle to delete his tweet or something. Um, <laughs> and I, then I started to wonder if, if Brock Soltow reached 3,000 yards in this game, let alone his career. So, yeah, yeah you know, FCW haven't have had a tough year. Um, and, and it, you know, it's more uh, of a credit to Polo because I, I think they, what they're. I think they're six. They're only six, and, six, and, six, six and two. two. Yeah. yeah. I, they're going to be a favorite of mine going into these playoffs because I like the way that they play. So, um, yeah, 56 to nothing at the end of the first. And then, Kyle, what was it? They they agreed at halftime to do two seven-minute quarters or something, or what was it? Yeah, so at halftime, they 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 said that they were going to do a two-minute halftime. So they didn't even do a full 15-minute. <laughs> they did a two-minute halftime, and then they agreed to do seven-minute quarters for the third and fourth quarter. Ooh, which with, they with running clock. Yeah, they'd already agreed to the running clock at the end of the quarter. 
Yeah, because so, it, it, se- it seemed when you had sent the halftime score and then sent that follow-up tweet, it seemed like, again, 15 minutes later, it was like final score. <laughs> yeah, it was it was something else. I was getting some information from uh, Tyler Murdy and then um, today they had five touchdowns on nine offensive plays, and then they had two oh, defensive that's why the scoring was so fast. I mean, you take a look, it was 24 to nothing halfway through the first quarter, and all of a sudden it's 56 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. What in the wide world of Princeton was going on there tonight? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the best way to put it. So I guess my question then becomes, Kyle, I, were, were we, maybe, maybe I will say, maybe I was guilty of it, were we kind of sleeping on polo a little bit, like, Amboy was getting a lot of the headlines early on. Milledgeville was getting the headlines, and for good reason. But then Polo is sitting here at a 6-2 and two record, and they've put up some impressive wins. Well, I think early on, you know, Polo was trying to find their identity. Obviously, we knew that Grenoble and Solto were back. You had Caden Webster back. So, I mean, those three alone were catalysts on last year's state championship team, but they still had quite a bit. I mean, Brady Wolber was back as well, um, but they still had a lot of gaps that they really in defensive end last year. And I think it really goes unnoticed how well he was able to manage the offense at the quarterback position, but how good he really did at his defensive end position, as far as being able to uh, cut down the outside edge as well. Um, and, and those were both things that they kind of struggled with, um, this year early on when they played and boy, and, uh, they couldn't really match up with the team speed of Tucker Lindenmeyer in that game. And then later on with Milledgeville, you know, they were, they were in the lead against Milledgeville. And now all of a sudden Milledgeville just kind of took over there in the last part of the game and won it by three touchdowns. So, um, as far as sleeping on Polo, I don't think we were really sleeping on them, but I think they kind of got written off because they started one and two. I mean, you, you expected that first game to be a big game with Amboy, which it was. The game uh, was a final of 28 to 12, and then two weeks later, they lose to Milledgeville 56 to 38, and that was the game that put Milledgeville at the number one ranking before they eventually lost to Amboy the very next week. Um and then we watched Amboy go right after that game and lose it to MCP in week five. So <laughs> um, it, it, it's been one of those whirlwind uh, type seasons in eight man, which is just making this uh, the playoffs look even more fantastic. I, I said it in our podcast last week to Mitch. I think the eight man division is our, is the most exciting class we cover. And now I will admit that's due to the fact that there are less teams so you see a lot more top 10 matchups than what you're obviously going to see in the, you know, the eight man or the, you know, eight class system. But right, this is exciting. You're seeing every week, you're getting big time matchups and it's, it's great. That's what we love. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I mean, you, know, you still have, it, it, it pisses me off, but you still have, <laughs> here we go. You still got the naysayers out there. They're like, oh, wait, man, it's not real football. And it's like, no, it really is. It's just a different dynamic to the game. But it's awesome. And, uh, you know, you take a look. Like, we've discussed a lot. Uh, you take a look at these top six, seven, eight teams. And it's unbelievable. I mean, do I think that West Central is the number one team right now? Yes, I do. 
Do I really think that they're like a 28 point favorite over everybody? No, I don't. I think yep. that was a really good game uh, on, on their end when they played Milledgeville and they got a, they, they, they got one there. They just had more team speed and were able to take advantage. But, you know, if you put those two up against each other again, I don't think you're going to see that large of a score differential again either. Um, likewise, you know, you can see an Amboy MCP really playing with each other. And now we got St. Thomas Moore. Let's jumping back into the picture. They're another team that we really were expecting to do good this year. They kind of fell off and now Peace Boomba's back. And all of a sudden, St. Thomas Moore's doing things that you're like, where the heck did they come from? You know, I mean, a couple weeks ago, they lost to Polo 46 to nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's what. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a, there's a lot of fun football coming up in the eight-man playoffs because I, I agree with you. I think that week in and week out, I think you see some results and think that game may look, you know, one way, but they, if those two teams match up again and a few things go the other way, I think that result's flipped on its head. And I think you see the other team come away. And I think that's kind of the, it's kind of the fun of it. And I, I will defend – I. I've been to eight man football. Now I saw it when I was covering stuff over in Iowa. And now that in Illinois, that it's really taking hold. I, you know, when you're in the middle of watching it, you really don't notice a difference, you know, like, sure. It, you, you can tell the field's a little more wide open. You can see some things, but man, when it's football, it's football. And that to me is fun. And I, you know, hearing an interview for with uh, coach Kirby, uh, Jason Kirby from West Central. He was on with uh, Edgy Tim and um, uh, Coach Lang in their podcast. And I don't know if you heard that, but, you know, hearing him as a head coach say when he first looked at, I believe he went and watched a game either with Polo or Aquin the year before West Central joined. And he said, oh, man, like I'm watching their offensive sets and they can still run spread and they can still do these things on offense, this dynamic type of like, you know, offensive scheming that we want to do and he that's what really intrigued him is that he could still make it work and he has and it's awesome well i mean you take a look at what like polo's been really successful on they've just established an eight-man version of a wing t offense and you know when you're able to do what you want to do offensively and you just change a couple things to make it fit into the eight-man game you're still gonna have the end result, which is going to find you success provided that you execute. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, like tonight watching Milledgeville and River Ridge, I mean, you could definitely see that regardless if it was eight man or 11 man, Milledgeville just dominated that game because their defensive line just took control of the game. And then likewise on offense, they were able to do the exact same thing. And, and I mean, really in football, uh, you know, everything starts up front and everybody will tell you that. I mean, it's, it's a common cliche and that you have to have a line. If you don't have a line, you're not going to find much success. Yep. All right, Mitch, wh where are we going next here? You got some scores to read us? Yeah, let's move. Let's move back to the track here. Um, Kiwani, sorry, Rock Ridge with the 42 to 14 win over Kiwani, um, as mentioned, uh, Rockridge has a two-game lead now, so there's no dispute in co-champion champion of that division of the Rock. Rockridge is the champion there. Uh, same with Mississippi. Princeton gets the 48 to nothing win over Bureau Valley. Newman, a nice win. They're back in the playoffs with their fifth win, a 30 to 27 win over Mendota. 
Monmouth Roseville, uh, the team that we were super high on uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, slow start. They were one and two. Then they're still two and three. Get their third win in a row now. So they're back in the playoffs. Um, 28 to six win over Erie Prophetstown. And Orion with the win over Sherrard, 53-7. to Two Saturday games tomorrow. Morrison hosts Leroy, and St. Bede hosts Spring Valley Hall. That Morrison-Leroy game, another one that becomes really critical. So Leroy from the Heart of Illinois Conference, they're sitting at 3-4. and four. Morrison is also at 3-4. and four. Yeah. Kyle, your projections have them in, right? You think they're going to win two in a row here? I do. Uh, you know, you take a look at their game with uh, Leroy and, uh, you know, I think, yeah, the projection had it that Morrison would win by a, by a touchdown. Um, so, I mean, granted, when you got a projection, it's a touchdown. This is definitely a huge game because any team can win. Um, but based off of projecting games out, you know, I, I go off of who the favorite is. So, yes, that's what caused me to put Morrison in. Because, I mean, Leroy, while this is a huge game for them, they have Ridgeview-Lexington waiting for them in week nine. Yeah. Um, and we definitely expect the Mustangs to go 9-0 uh, and uh, to complete their uh, season because they're one of the heavy favorites in Class 1A to begin with next to Lena Winslow and possibly Chicago Hope Academy. And, um, you know, you take a look at that. You're going to, you're going to say Mark, you're going to say Marquette too, right? You just forgot. Uh, Greg 40 to 40 to 25, right? (laughs) He was going to say Wilmington just to. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong. Marquette's playing really good and they got, they got a lot of good playmakers. I know there too. You know, their offensive and defensive lines was the biggest question because they, as far as the backfield and uh, the quarterback and Graham, you know, they had the playmakers with Durden and uh, Graham and a couple other guys. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're doing good things, right? I'm actually, that game with Chicago Hope kind of has me teetering on how good is Hope? Yeah. Or how good is Marquette? You know, it, it there's just some unknown balance there. I agree. Um, they did have um, one of their faster athletes on the outside that, that gets to the edge a lot that had that had a big impact in the Anawan Weathersfield game. Uh, Logan Nelson sat out a good portion of that game against Hope. So I'm not saying it made all the difference, but I do think there was some something there to, to make note of. But I agree. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That I think, yeah, there is some question on, does this show that Hope is that good? Or does, yeah, I think they're, yeah, it, yeah, it's a question on that one. But anyway, anyway, back to, uh, you know, back to the track here. Well, I got two, two things real quick. Um, one, uh, Kyle, help me out here. North Mac and Panna, are they 1A or 2A? Uh, they're both 2A and that was a, but that was but a yeah, huge. Pan- okay. Yeah. Panna destroyed North Mac tonight. Um, yeah. my second point, Greg is, <laughs> Explain to everybody what happened in the Ottawa Marquette game tonight. Yeah, so I don't know that I, anybody really has an answer outside of um, they were Marquette was scheduled to host um, Chicago. I think it was Christ the King. Yeah. Um, they were scheduled to host tonight on senior night for Marquette, and Marquette got a phone call at about 5 o'clock or 4.30 saying that they were not going to make it, that they did not have a bus. 
So I don't know. I don't, I don't want to speculate. I'll take them at their word, but it is an unfortunate situation because, you know, that's a Marquette team, you know, that loses a game, you know, a lot of seniors that lose, that lose a football game, they lose their senior night. And, you know, with Marquette's record being what it is, hopefully they have plenty of more football to play, but yeah, it was disappointing. And I, so who knows? I don't know. That was a team that all of them beat, right? Uh, it, uh, it might've been, I didn't, I, I didn't think look at the that. same team. Yeah. Um, Dude. um, yeah, I could take a look here real quick, Mitch, uh, all beat. No, all beat Chicago Academy. Oh, okay. Okay. So anyway, they all, they all run together. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, back, back to the track, uh, as we talked about rock Ridge with the win over Kiwani. Uh, Connor Dean had three first half touchdown passes. They had big scoring plays 62, 59, 31, 36, and 45 all in the first half. And as mentioned, they are the outright track rock champions. Uh, Princeton d- doing what Princeton does. They led 21 nothing six minutes in. <laughs> um, Tegan Davis had five touchdowns in the first half, including a pick six. So um, I think BB shut them out in the second half. So there's that. Um, but uh, as we talked about last week, too, Coach Pearson, Coach Ryan Pearson, had tied the record for all-time wins uh, at Princeton, and he now surpasses that. So congrats to him as the all-time leader in the program in wins. Yeah, uh, Princeton continues to look good. I don't think this one was a huge surprise here. Um, but Mitch, oh, go ahead. You got something. Yeah, let me, okay, let me clarify. On last week's show, I feel like I was kind of hard on Princeton because I kept saying how tough the 3A bracket was. And that is true. But I also don't want to give the impression that I don't believe in Princeton. Um, I think my hesitation, and, and Greg, we've talked about this before, is that Princeton isn't facing teams of their class, right? Yep. Um, they're, they're facing smaller teams. Now they're, they are dismantling them. That's yes. not the question. There's no, there's no question that they – are one of the best teams. And in my, in my mind, one of the best teams that we cover, it's just that when it comes to playoff time and you're going to see teams like icy Catholic, you're going to see teams like Byron, Stillman Valley, uh, God forbid, Sager Hart Griffin, whoever. Um, I just worry that that lack of, you know, the biggest school they played is Kiwani and, and Kiwani isn't having a good year. So yep. um, again, I, I just want to clarify. I don't, I don't mean to say that Princeton can't do it. Um, and I still think they are, are really, really good. My concern is that when they get to 3A, um, that they, they might not have the battle tests behind them yet. So um, just want to want to clarify, I don't know if that helps my, my cause with Princeton fans any, but that is the reasoning why I have some sort of hesitation when I talk about Princeton in the 3A bracket. Well, you know, the thing with the Tigers, though, is they, they, they have, you know, they, they still have guys there that have experience under their belts. I mean, you got Tegan yeah. Davis talk about heavily they still got Augie Christians in there they, and they got a couple others that have been playing since the COVID year at the varsity level and they've had some big game matchups I mean they played Lena Winslow uh which was a big hype game when it first came out that's the game that Mari Roby got injured in and then you know they had that huge test with Fulton where they were behind and came back to win and these guys got to experience that even though we didn't have a playoff that year but then you know Last year, they they were a lot of these guys were in that game when they played IC Catholic, so they know what to expect when they get to that three A level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lost in the quarterfinals, but 
I mean, who didn't have IC Catholic pick to win state? Right. I mean, they were right. literally four minutes away from getting there, and then Byron all of a sudden turned on a light switch, and boom, right. it came upside down. Yeah, so. Mitch, I, I was going to say the exact same thing that Kyle said, and um, what I really want to do is I just want to buy you a shirt, just a plain T-shirt in block letters that says, I believe in Princeton. That's it. That's what I want. <laughs> I want that. I want that old school uh, Princeton BV shirt that they. That, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it's Coach Pearson that he shares every year because that shirt is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Move, let's get it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Moving down. Um, Mendota and Newman. That was a good game. Um, I put in the notes here. It was kind of a uh, a game between two really uh, different attacks. Right. You have your traditional Newman grounded pound attack. Whereas Mendota this year has been really quick strike. And that's how this game went. It was like Newman would put these long drives together on the ground and then boom, right away Mendota would score. So um, a thunder and lightning type of game here, but uh, Newman went ahead 30 to 20 on a JJ Castle touchdown pass to Aiden Batten. Um, Mendota would score in the fourth, but then I think uh, Newman stopped them to, to get the ball back. So a uh, nice win here. That is the fifth win for them. They're five and three coach Mike LeMay in the playoffs in his first year at the helm. So good win there. Um, as, as we stated earlier, Monmouth Roseville, they're back in the playoffs after starting two and three, they are now five and three with a win over EP uh, Orion. Now a 53 to seven win over Sherrard. They are in a muscling situation, a tough one against rock Ridge in week nine, which is how it was last year. I think. Right. And Orion won. Is that, I, am I remembering that right? Um, last year, I believe it was Rock Ridge and Orion in week nine and Rock Ridge won because Orion was not a okay. Rock Ridge won. Okay. 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 Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously that's not an ideal situation you want to be in, but coming, coming after putting up 53 points on a Sherrard team, that's, that's, you know, record wise is not what they want to do, but they've had really played really well. Um, so yeah, putting up a 50 spot here gives them good momentum to face a Rock Ridge team. That's, that's really, really good. Yeah. Um, Mitch, before we keep going in the three rivers, I got more to talk about the three rivers, but like okay. I said, we are, we are live on Twitter right now. I got to give a shout out to, uh, Tristan Legate quarterback from Galesburg, I believe is listening in right now. So credit to the silver streaks. Let's give them a shout out. They get the big win tonight, uh, against United Township. So if he's yeah. on listening, we'll, we'll give him a quick plug there. Give him a quick shout out. Yeah, I don't have the stats in front of me because that game was going as we started this, but it looked like Tristan had a nice night um, and, and a great win, like you said, for Galesburg tonight. So let's, I want to talk about, so Rock Ridge last week and the week before, down 14 nothing. They were in a 14 nothing hole in back-to-back weeks. And mm-hmm. Mitch, we talked about it both weeks. They said they can't keep doing this, and they, they definitely, they definitely no. flipped that script, and they, they changed things tonight. They took a lead 35 nothing at the half, so they definitely left no doubt in this one. But I think what impresses me more is not that they were putting up points and scoring. I think we've expected this Rock Ridge team to be a good football team. But what really impressed me is Connor Dean steps in last week when Bain is injured and out of mm-hmm. the game in the second half, leads Rock Ridge to that victory. Tonight, he's not only leading them, and last week we kind of mentioned like, they maybe became a little bit one dimensional because he's such an athlete on the ground, you know, with his legs, he was really using, you know, the rushing attack this week. He was passing the ball 
So Mitch, we we've discovered a new quarterback in Rock Ridge, and he wears number twenty-one. So you know you gotta love a quarterback wearing a you know a double digit in the twenties number. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You never know what you're what you're gonna get when you have you know a lineup like that. So um, yeah, and like we've talked about, Greg with Rock Ridge, they played Princeton the toughest in week one. I think it was forty-one to twenty-two or something. And now they've won seven straight. And I think if I'm remembering right, all those games have been somewhat convincingly. So um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by Rock Ridge here moving forward. Um, you know, I, I, unfortunately for Orient, I do think Rock Ridge will win that game and they'll go eight and one heading into the playoffs um, and really like the prospect of seeing them uh, make a little bit of a run. Yeah, for sure. Um all right, where else? Uh, where else we want to go? We oh, the LTC. We haven't touched that. Yeah, on the yeah. you're right. Only got one, uh, one left so far. The big one tonight was Anwan Weathersfield and Rova Williamsfield. Um, two really good upstart teams here. Anwan Weathersfield gets the win. Rainy conditions. I saw the highlights as we've been talking about it. Thirty-two to twenty-four. Um, in step with what we've been talking about now. Uh, AW is unbeaten in LTC play. But their week nine game is against Mercer County, who won tonight 28 nothing. So now you've got Anon Weathersfield, who at least has a share, right? So kudos to them on, on that. Um, and they can win it outright next week if they beat Mercer County. Um, Mercer County, again, they win 28 nothing. Now Stark County is in a bit of a must-win situation next week. They play Princeville. And that could also be a winner-take-all situation if Princeville wins tomorrow. They'd both be 4-4 four and four going into the final week. Um, and that's always, always exciting, um, and, and, and unfortunate for one side, but, um, Knoxville, big win 41 to seven over a town, a town having a tough year, Knoxville, uh, avenges that loss from, from last year. So, uh, Knoxville still sitting good, um, in the, in the playoff or sorry, in the LTC standings. Um, but it looks like it's going to come down to next week between animal Weathersfield and Mercer County. Yeah. And I think. Anawan Weathersfield, Mercer County, that was a game we kind of had circled, right? The beginning of the year, same as Sterling Moline. This was kind of a game. Yeah, I think, no, I, I think I, go ahead. Yeah, I think I said on, on Monday that I, I probably expected it to come down to Knoxville and Mercer County. Yes. Um, and maybe AW was was sitting there at third. So um, they're, they're, the three are still there. They're just in a little bit of a different order. So, um, yeah, intrigued to see if, if Anawan Weathersfield can go unbeaten in LTC play. Um, or if Mercer County can um, get that and get the share of the title, that'd be, it'll, it'll be an exciting week nine for sure for two playoff teams. That's going to be a great matchup. Yeah, I suppose you're right. We, we did. Yeah. We talked a lot about Knoxville to start the year and, uh, and they're right there, you know, they, they get the win tonight, but I guess looking back, we always thought A&W and Mercer County would be two playoff teams battling in week nine. And we, you know, thought if things worked well for both of them, it could be for the title. And now and it plays out that way. Um, nice win for Anwan Weathersfield, you know, going on the road to Rova Williamsfield and getting that one. Um, Kyle, we've talked through everything and you're, you're the one putting together the projections week to week. Let, let's talk a little playoff projections here. What have you seen? What surprises you or what, I don't know. Give me some general thoughts on the brackets as you've put them together the last few weeks. If anyone hasn't seen them, follow NUIC football on Twitter. You can find the weekly uh, updated playoff projections. You're, you're right in lockstep with the Seuss, I think, for the most part, right? Yeah, we have a couple teams that differ here and there, but uh, and, our, and our cutoffs are probably about, you know, 
a school or two off, but uh, we're, we're pretty much almost in lockstep with similar teams. Some of it just comes down to what I have projected to what they have to what he has projected. But, uh, you know, tonight was one game that he definitely had in and I did not. And that was Beardstown uh, taking down Calhoun 36 to 11. Um, that was definitely a game I thought Calhoun would take control of, and they didn't. That win is going to get Beardstown most likely in. It moves them to four and four now, and they have a favorable game against Pleasant Hill next week uh, that they should win pretty handily to get to that five and four mark. Um, interesting, though, is if, if they do get in uh, and, and uh, Sacred Heart Griffin does come down to the 3A field, there's a large possibility that's their that's their reward for getting in the playoffs so <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah, Kyle what, what what do your um what do your projections as of now where where do you see Dupac landing because they're right on that 2A 3A fence I think we're going to get the cut line high enough to where we're going to see Dupac definitely land in 2A I mean right now wow. I have 449 and a half uh, Susie has at like 453 or 455 and Dupex enrollments at 438. So, I mean, I would say right now it's a pretty safe bet that they're about two teams in to the two a field. And, uh, you know, one of the bigger games tonight, I'm still looking for a score on is that of Madison and Anna Jonesboro. I know Madison was up 18 to 13 at the half. If Madison wins that game, they're going to make the playoff field, I believe. Wow. But if they – well, see, they only have an eight-game schedule, so they have to get that fifth win. But um, if they lose, they're definitely out. They lose. That's definitely going to drop Shelbyville into 1A, and that's a, that's a little bit of where me and Seuss are a little bit different. He's got both Shelbyville and Bloomington Central Catholic in 1A. I have both of those teams up in two way. So yeah. that's one of the small areas where we have some discrepancies in what he has to what I have. So, um, Shelbyville, you know, uh, destroyed tonight by St. Teresa. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, it was like 41 to 14 there. So yeah. Something like that. Definitely a, a game that we, I was definitely in, interested in following along on that one. And then I just saw, um, Bryce and Dion put out there that they, they got the big win. So I just congratulated him on that. But, uh, um, you know, looking at common opponents and scores and everything, you thought that would be a little bit tighter game, but you know, St. Teresa has been my number one all season. I think it's been a, both of your guys number one all season as far as the class two A rankings go as well. So, um, they're definitely proven that they're, they're at the top of the class and that North Mac lost to Painter and I, just as another stepping stone for St. Teresa right there. So um, they just got to keep performing at the level they are. Um, Going back to Madison, get, if they do come away with that win tonight, that would be a huge win for that program. Madison plays an independent schedule and they would be the smallest 11 men. They are the smallest 11 man school in the state of Illinois so they'd obviously be the smallest going into the playoffs. Right now, Marquette is the second smallest, just ahead of Madison, and they're the smallest team in the field. 
So that would be really interesting and really, you know, credit to them. Cause I know they struggled the last few years, but they're trying to make it work at the 11 man level. So that's really interesting. Um, Kyle, what, what is the most interesting or the, the class that you're looking at closest? What have you found yourself kind of going back to and looking at the bracket? Do you have one that stands out? Yeah. Class three, a, I mean, okay. You look at class three, a North. And I mean, it's the same thing we've been talking about for the past two weeks. And there's, there's not much that has really changed there. I mean, the favorites are the favorites, um, you know, and now that you have Stillman Valley in the mix there, you're going to get Genoa Kinks in the mix. So now you don't just have Byron now out of the big Northern, you're going to have Genoa Kinks and Stillman yep. Valley. And, and, you know, you get those guys in there. It definitely changes the dynamic of that three, a North field. Now, um, you know, one of the things I'm sure I'm, there's a lot of people that are in agreement with, I'm fine with IC Catholic prep being in three, a that's where, in my opinion, even if they did have the multiplier, that's where they would land anyway. So I have no problem with, IC there. Yeah. SA falling down there is where that's where I, you know, I understand what they're doing. They're just going to play where their enrollment drops them in at and their enrollment 607. And definitely we're seeing that enrollment level climb. I had somebody uh, tweet at me, they're like, or, or Facebook me or something. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, the three, a cutoff is only at five sixty two or five fifty nine. And I'm like, that's just what the outlook has it as. So go back and look at that outlook. Take a look at those four and three teams. How many of those four and threes are actually going to win out the next two weeks? Look at their schedules closely. A lot of them are playing six and one, seven and O's. They're not going to win unless they somehow. Yeah. Throw Mary somewhere and make all things glorified, but you know, and that's one of the things that you love about week eight, week nine is you always get that matchup where you're not expecting it to happen. And all of a sudden something drastic changes everything and flips it all over again. And, uh, you know, Beardstown is one of those games going back to that one. That's a team that I did not have in. They win tonight. They're, they're getting in for sure. Uh, Cause I know they're going to win next week. Uh, so big win for the Tigers there. And uh, that may be a game that helps push SHG back up into 4A too. So, uh, and I hope they do because I, the 3A field is the most interesting. I mean, next to eight man, right? The yeah. 3A field is the most interesting playoff field that I've been looking at as, as far as uh, the small schools go be, because of the depth and the competition level in it. And uh, that 3A North is just amazing, especially if Prairie Central comes north. Okay, so, oh, go ahead, Mitch. What do you got? Uh, no no score from Madison Jonesboro on Twitter or on IHSA Score Zone, so that remains a mystery at the moment. All right. Um, well, getting back to the 3A, Class 3A North, and then looking at Dupec, how, how much, how advantageous is it for Dupec to fall into 2A and to be in that 2A North? Do you, I mean, is that a difference between potentially winning a few games here? Like, I mean, really making a playoff push with Dupec and 2A, can they go to the quarters, the semis? You know, taking a look at where they would potentially land. Um, yeah, 
I think that they would have a good shot of at least getting to the quarters. I mean, if they, you know, I have them, I had them at the eight seed this past week. I think Suits had them at the six seed. If they go down to the six seed, you know, they're going to have a pretty good second round potential matchup with Tri-Valley. Tri-Valley should get that three seed. Um, but if they go the eight seed, you know, they're going to have Seneca in round two, and then you got Wilmington waiting for you in round three, most likely, unless um, Rockridge could upset Wilmington. So, um, you know, there's do it. Can, do they have the opportunity to fare well better in two A? Absolutely. I think three A, they would probably get round one, maybe they'd be out by round two. So going down to two A is definitely a better fit for Dupec at this moment. Yeah, that's and that's what we love. Like that's awesome. That's exciting, you know. So big, big, uh, big game tonight um, for the bracket. I just saw it. Hang on. Now I already lost it. Uh, Tri Valley beat Eureka six nothing. Okay. I know that both of those. I know Eureka oh, wow. was kind of. I think both of those were kind of right on the two A top ten, right? Is Eureka three A or two A? Or Eureka's three A, yeah. Oh, did Kyle freeze up on us? No, I'm no, just, he's looking. Oh. Eureka's three uh, A, right? Eureka's three A, and okay, probably uh, will be two A, but that is a HOIC conference game. Uh, of which, you know, Tri-Valley was definitely favored by a much larger score than that. So that score is kind of surprising, uh, especially when you take a look at how, uh, you know, Ridgeview-Lexington beat Eureka last week, 21-7. to And I know Ridgeview-Lexington squeaked out one against Tri-Valley earlier this year, 21-16. to So, um, you know, it just, there you go. It's again, you know, it further gives you more impact on, how strong is the HOIC? Because, you know, they're, they're in a closed conference. They're non-conference games across divisional games. So how strong is that conference really? I mean, we've expected Richie Lexington to be a power all season long, especially after their semifinal appearance uh, with Lena Winslow last year. And that was a great football game. And we know that they play a physical style play. And we've seen the same thing out of Tri-Valley over the years. Um and, uh, you know, Eureka is definitely coming up and making a name for themselves too now. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, how strong is that conference? It's, it's really tough to tell right now until we get going in the playoffs and we start to see where these teams land at and how they perform. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Kyle, that's a natural segue into – I just started doing my uh, my playoff preview uh, prep research this week. So I uh, coordinated with Greg Pruis and we, you know, true grit on Twitter. We separated out the field and we uh, I started doing some research this week. So I'm, I'm excited. You're uh, you're going to be hosting the uh, the NUIC football will be hosting the playoff pairings uh, preview show October 22nd. Seven o'clock, we go live, I believe. That's correct. Seven o'clock, October 22nd, NUIC headquarters. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Mitch, are you going to be tuning in that night? 
Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be watching from afar. So I'm looking forward to that. It was a great show last season. So, um, you know, one, one game left here uh, for regular season. Lots to shake out. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think whatever you're you're prepping now uh, can certainly change because as we kind of talked about in our in our run throughs here, there's a lot that can happen not only tomorrow. Um, but then certainly in week nine. So uh, as it always does, coming right down to the final final week, right down to the wire here. And that's, uh, as we said, kind of makes it the, the, the best time of the year uh, in playoff season. So looking forward to wrapping the season up and looking forward to the show next Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you guys see that uh, the Seuss is going live on Facebook at like, well, I think in like 30 minutes at like 11.55 to like, start doing his like bracket or like projection updates. Did you guys see that? Yeah, you, you had, you had talked about it and, and asked if we should stay on that long, um, which I didn't, I didn't say no, but I'm going to say it now. Um, <laughs> well, we're getting pretty close and I actually thought like, maybe I'll just send him an invite right now and see if he wants to join us. So yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you know, you know, they, they deal so much with such bigger schools. Right. And so I don't, yeah. know, I don't know that teams in our area would get talked about more than what we're doing right now. Right. So um, this is the, you know, premier one, a through eight man through three, a football show. If for my money. I, I mean, that's why we got, that's why we bring Kyle in because Kyle's crunching the numbers, Kyle, how, I get, let's get into how hard is it to do the projections? Like, I don't know. You always have it pretty well nailed down. Like I, it's, it's hard for me. Maybe I'm not that smart. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I cheat a little bit. Um, you know, I take a look at, I, I use multiple sources, right? Uh, obviously the first source I do use is the Seuss. I take a look at where he thinks teams are going to land. Um, and try to derive what he sees coming. You know, if he, if he thinks we're going to have eight, four and five teams, then I can go through and start looking at the outlook and I can start pegging along at, okay, here's a three and four with 36 playoff points. They're going to have 46 playoff points. And all of a sudden I know, Hey, that's where our cutoff's going to be at. And then I just start dallying it up from there. I mean, you know, I've, I've had arguments online with people that they're like, well, no, you, you, you got to go from 8A down. And it's like, no, you don't. You can go 1A up or you can go 8A down. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're still getting 256 teams. It doesn't matter which direction you start from. You just got to start from either 1A or 8A. And for me, it's easy to start at 1A. So, yep. Um, I just find the cutoffs. And like right now, it's right now, it's super easy because at the mo at this moment in time, every five and four is going to get in. So, you're just trying to find the teams that are you already know the ones that have the five wins so they're those are guaranteed in and then you start going through the schedules of the other ones and um the hardest part is the initial start to it um once i have it all in place the file the, the the subsequent weeks that follow is just easier uh because it's finding out where i think they're going to be projected and then after that, it's just simple adjustments here and there and changing the playoff point by a number or two and, and then just uh, filtering it back out and getting the seeds back down. And then, you know, 
when you get a team that comes in that you're not expecting to come in, it's just redrawing that geographical line. I mean, I, I, I'm fortunate enough that I have a good wherewithal where a lot of teams fall in the state of Illinois. So I know where my middle teams are that I'm like, Hey, okay. How far is it from this town to this town (laughs) north and south? And you know, that's really where it's at. I mean, I know who's north. I know who's south. It's just finding that central location. And uh, luckily for me, you know, I've been following it long enough. I know where all the central teams are to pay attention to. You know, it's like I was talking to Coach Robertson at Bismarck Henning here earlier this week. And he's like, man, we got to go south. I said, I really think that uh, BHRA is going north. And, you know, Bismarck Henning sits like 15 minutes north of Champaign, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they're they're really that they're one of those teams that goes either direction and uh um and, and right now i have bhr bhra going north so uh i don't know it's a, it's just for me numbers is just it's fun and i like to look at it um once i get it hammered out the first week like i said the following weeks is just plug and play yep yep well uh i'm stalling a little bit because hoping to see if we could get some uh, WQAD, uh, some of the crew from there on here. And I hey, did I, say that I, I do have a question. All right. On, yeah. On with Roseville. They win that game tonight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then that set, that sets up. If Morrison wins tomorrow against Leroy, they'll be four and four. Erie profits will be four and four. And then that'll be a winner take all in week nine between Morrison and Erie. Yeah. That's huge. And that's why I have Morrison in because I have Morrison favored over. Okay. Erie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big win for Monmouth Roseville. That's, that's a nice one for them tonight. Um, I think, I, I mean, looking ahead next week, the biggest matchup we got is Mercer County, Anawan Weathersfield, right? That's, I'd say that's yeah. the biggest, you know, conference decider that's left out there. Yeah. Um, for the Western Big Six, I don't remember who Moline plays. Um, trying to think off the top of my head. It's a winnable game for them, so I do think they're going to end up being the outright champions there. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Moline, Moline has Geneseo on the road. So, obviously, okay, Geneseo so, yeah, looked um, look good tonight. Uh, right. Tough tough place to play. Uh, yep. Geneseo maybe looking to play spoiler and get a little bit better of a ranking there. But, again, I, I still do expect Moline to win that. Uh, the track is decided with Princeton and Rock Ridge already. Like you said, Anawan, Weathersfield, Mercer County will decide the Lincoln Trail next week. And uh, Lena, uh, again, is at least a share. Um, and it could be Fulton, right? That could put, potentially be a co- co-champion there, Kyle? Potentially. Right. I don't okay. see Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because Lena's got... Lena's got uh, Forrest in. Who does Fulton have at the end of the year? <clears throat> Fulton is with Dakota. Okay. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. Quick, quick shout out. Uh, we just had uh, Grant Sibley from Moline. He's live listening right now on the, uh, on the Twitter uh, spaces, uh, instant reacts live. So shout out to uh, Grant Sibley getting the big win from Moline tonight. Yeah, again, uh, late, late to the late to the game here. As we we talked about that game a while ago, but yeah, great <laughs> win for great win for them. Um, 
looked like Grant had a great night tonight. Whole offense uh, played well. But again, as we talked about earlier, it was really that defense that the three-headed monster from Sterling um, just didn't seem to get going, didn't cross 100 yards of offense until midway through the third. So kept it close. Um, and again, it was that Aubrey three play that, that really kind of pushed over the edge. So yep. uh, again, for anyone who is, is joining in now, Moline, uh, up to interpretation. If you want to call them outright, I certainly would. Apparently the rules are it's for now co-champions, but nonetheless, um, great win here for, for the Maroons and uh, another, another big win for their great season. Yep. Uh, well, if we have uh, nothing else, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here on the, uh, on the Instant Reacts Live on Twitter. We'll, uh, we'll say goodnight to Twitter. So, uh, well, and you guys are on Monday night, right? I'm, I'm off. As you say, uh, you're, you guys... you're out, you're out and about, so you won't be around. But Kyle, if you're around on Monday and you want to talk some uh, preview, we'll, we'll invite you in and we'll have, I believe, uh, Matt Randazzo from WQAD. We'll do uh, maybe the first half of the show with the Western Big Six and some of our Quad Cities area teams. So I'm, I'm in for Monday night. Just uh, give me the info. Sounds, sounds good. If, 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 oh, I can, if I can join from Palmdale, California, I will. I just well, don't. It, I don't anticipate it. Yeah, if I can, if I can survive the weekend, my wife's out of town, so I'm, uh, I'm on full dad duty. So, uh, you know, I gotta survive that and get to get to Monday. But uh, right. I'll be ready to talk some high school football by then. So, did just get an eight man update by the way. AFC will play Peoria Heights tomorrow at three p.m. at AFC. So okay. they're gonna move the game to. To uh, Franklin Grove and uh, played at three o'clock. Sounds good. Good update there. Well, Mitch, enjoy your uh, enjoy your week. Yep. And make sure you're back uh, back in the command module, controlling the Twitterverse on Friday, right? Yeah, it'd have to be pretty significant travel delays for me not to be home by Friday. So, uh, <laughs> okay. but yeah, I'll I'll be back. Uh, wouldn't miss week nine. Um, and yeah, and looking forward to it again. We'll, we'll wrap up conference champions outright or, or co-champions, and then we'll we'll finally have uh, that final, maybe not final. I don't want to say that because we have to wait till Saturday. But uh, a pretty pretty clear picture of playoffs come come next week. So this is this is the time, boys. This is this is it. This is fun. Yeah, I was it's gonna say yeah. Crazy to think, you know, Mitch, you'll be uh, you'll be locked down. The, the the view from the West loyal followers need you on Twitter to be giving them updates. I don't know where I'll be next Friday. I'll be at a game somewhere. Kyle, we'll meet up on Monday, and then man, it's it's a week away. Like a week away. We'll I'll be headed out your way for the Saturday preview show on uh, October twenty second. So we're we're right in the thick of it here. It's exciting. Yeah, I'll I'll get the uh, the beverages on ice, and we'll have some pizza available, and it's gonna be great. It's all sounds sounds all sounds great. So what is the what is the local pizza? What is the what is the go to? The Minos is my go to. Okay. Um, you know they got they got one located in Durand. There's one in Pectonica. The they were founded in Freeport. There's one down in Mount, one in Dixon. So it, it's just a nice little Italian pizzeria place. Um, I enjoy their food the most. If you ask Carrie, she's. she's What's well, that? I like, think, I like to think Kyle is just saying Domino's in like a very like French way. <laughs> oh, it's Domino's. <laughs> oh, the same <laughs> Italian joint. <laughs> Lena. Oh, man. What did you say Carrie's go-to is? You cut out. 
Oh, coaches and Lena. Okay. So oh, well. The, the Lena Winslow ties are strong. So, you know, she's got to stay loyal, right? She's, she's black and gold through and through. <laughs> Nothing there. Yeah. By the, by the way, Mitch, you can, you can, it's okay. You can call Lena Winslow your NUIC champions. I mean, I'll wait. I, I just, uh, again, that's, that's my interpretation of it. That's how I would view it. But, uh, well, technically, they are champs now. Whether whether they win it outright or coaching. right, yeah, right. Carrie's already ordered the shirts. They're already arriving at her doorstep. So you know. Oh, I happen to take a look, and they have all their <laughs> playoff already on sale on their online store. There you go. See, there you go. I wasn't wrong. Oh yeah, sh- yeah. Shout out to all the playoff teams. Let's see that. Let's see that playoff swag. Yeah, we need to see, start seeing that playoff merch. I love it. Uh, all right, all right, boys. We're 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 saying good night to Twitter here. So let's uh, let's wrap that up. <laughs>